This is Rio of Madison Rising, and you're listening to our acoustic version of the Star Spangled Banner here on KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed at the twilight's last gleaming whose broad stride in bright stars through the perilous fight oh the ramparts we watched were so gallantly streaming and the rockets ran
You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. You're listening to the Spark Radio Network, internet radio like you've never heard before. Innovation, creativity, and imagination are all said to begin with a spark. So fasten your seatbelt and take the ride of your life and listen for the spark. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome to God's Pure Word of Faith. I'm Richard Harden, and again, I want to thank the Lord and the management of KLRN Radio for this great opportunity to share God's Word with you today. I've been sharing the last four messages now on uh, errors that are being taught throughout our society. Uh, and these are errors, it's important to identify these errors and point them out, I believe, or I wouldn't have been doing it naturally but uh, in Proverbs chapter 30 verse 5 and 6 it says every word of God is pure a shield them put their trust in him it says add thou not to God's word lest he reprove thee and thou be made a liar and I think that's what's happening in our society today our Christian community is is being so lax and 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 trying to share God's pure word and you know just adding to it and and, and making up and saying things that aren't even in the scriptures um, so many uh, that you can see that Christianity in our society is really being ridiculed it's being you know pushed out in a sense the God of the Bible and you know like even Christmas you know manger scenes and things like this and anything having to do with the government your know, government's trying to push Christianity completely out and I even saw an article paper recently where it said that probably before long if it keeps going like this that it'll almost be a crime to be a Christian in our country but uh, I would have never believed this years ago that something like this could happen in our country that Christianity could be you know looked down on so much now it's it's not Christ that's failing any Christ hasn't changed God hasn't changed it's it's our Christian community 
and we have so many different fractions in it and, and denominations and things like this, different beliefs and stuff, and it just and it shouldn't be that way. We should be joined together, like it says in Ephesians 4, one God, one spirit, one faith. And our preachers and teachers should be leading us into that one faith. Uh, but it says in there that we're babes in Christ until we come into that one faith. You know, with all these divisions, uh, Apostle Paul called the Corinth church babes in Christ. Now, before I get started today, I have just a few topics to cover, and then I'm going to quit sharing these uh, type messages on just errors and everything. But before I do, I want to share with you about my website and invite you to go to my website and check out some of the messages and information there. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at rahardin.com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Welcome back. Now, to start today, I want to just share with you, like I said, a couple of different subjects. kind of hard to get these organized, so I'll just take them one at a time, and uh, they might not be too related. But anyway, on the, let's see, the Bible Answer Man has, you know, he shares every day uh, throughout the week at some time, maybe not on Saturday. I've not caught him on Saturday around here, but other places he might be seven days a week in the evenings to answer questions and everything. And here's one uh, where he says that Jesus forgave our past, present, and future sins on the cross. And uh, I would say no, he didn't, because on the cross, Jesus was a man. Right before he went to the cross, remember now, uh, he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's when the Spirit of Christ left him. He was filled with the Spirit, the Spirit of grace in his heart, the Spirit of Christ in his heart, until that instant when he cried out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And when he did that, see, what happened was Christ left him, and separation of the heart from God is sin. That's when Jesus took on the sins of the world. He took on our sins there and carried them like the scapegoat away, in a sense, from us. See, he took our sins. In the Old Testament, they'd bring two animals to the sacrifice, to the sacrificial, you know, ceremony and everything. And then God, they'd cast lots, and God would pick one to be the sacrifice and the other one to be the scapegoat. Well, they'd kill the um, sacrificial animal sprinkle his blood seven times before the altar of God, the mercy seat of God. And uh, they would gather together, and the priest would pray for the sins of the people. And uh, he had his hands on, I think, the head of the other animal, the one's going to be the scapegoat. And he'd pray the sins of the people on the scapegoat. And then they would lead that goat out into the fields, into, you know, the desert, you might say, or whatever, to take their sins away. And when Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, he was left alone on the cross. Christ in him had left. He was totally separated then in his heart from God, which is, you know, sin, total separation of the heart from God, that's when he took our sins as a scapegoat function and took them away from us and then he died immediately right after that. Now, he didn't forgive our sins. He made provision for our sins to be forgiven. See, he made provision. Each one of us have to come to a knowledge of God, he's going to teach us. Jesus says, They shall all be taught of God, every man therefore that heard and learned of the Father cometh unto me. John uh, 6 45. When we get old enough to understand 
and the Lord starts teaching us that we're sinner, that, that Jesus is our answer, that Christ is our answer for our sins, that he's already took our sins, see, the scapegoat, took them away. We don't have to have that separation of our heart. And then a person says, well, then, then uh, John chapter 10 says, you know, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When a person then responds to that information that God is teaching them and saying, yes, Lord, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and save me. Then the Spirit of Christ comes into our heart. And as Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart also will give you, a new spirit will I put within you. I'll take away the stony heart out of flesh, give you a heart of flesh, and I'll put my spirit in you. See, he puts his spirit in us now, and he stays in us. Ever since 1974, the Spirit of Christ has been in my heart, and he always will be. When I die, I just leave this physical body and just, just continue right on in the Spirit with the Lord. It's just I've left the old physical body behind. See, we don't have to have that separation ever again once we receive Christ in our heart. And Jesus did that for us on the cross. But he was the man Jesus doing it. Christ left him right before and left his heart empty, no Spirit of God. And that's when he cried out, My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? Now, at that time, Jesus was the man Jesus. He was not exalted to the fullness of God yet. Now, when he was buried, resurrected, and exalted to the fullness of God, today Jesus and Christ are the same. But Jesus did not forgive our sins on the cross. He made provision for them to be forgiven when we turn and call out to him. Now, besides, God only forgives when we ask forgiveness. And and that just, you know, that has something to do with, well, we need to discuss too, is because when do we forgive? You know, a lot of times we have people hurt us and they never come and ask forgiveness. And it just continues to linger on, linger on. You know, when somebody comes to you and apologizes and asks forgiveness, it, it it's such a blessing. I've, I haven't had that happen too many times, but the times it did happen, I was just thrilled when I did it. Now, I've had a lot of people hurt me back in the past, and I'm a handwriting analyst, and one of the common problems I, I meet it, you know, when I meet people is that most people are carrying around hurts from the past and people, and they think about it and they get upset again, and then they think about it and they get upset again, something like this. They'll see somebody that looks like a person, and they'll get upset. And what I tell them is, even though the person doesn't come to you and ask forgiveness, we have to have our heart prepared that if they do, that you'll be ready to say yes and forgive them. But now, getting your heart prepared is what God wants us to do. Like in Second um, Corinthians 2, 10 11. Second Corinthians chapter 2, uh, verse 10 11 says, Forgive others lest you give Satan advantage. Now, if they don't come and ask you for forgiveness, you can't complete the... Um, action, you know, like that. But uh, just like God wants all of us to come to Him for forgiveness. But see, His heart is ready any instant we turn to Him. And that's the way He wants us to be. We have to be willing to forgive. So how do you do that? I found a simple way. You know, if some if you got hurt back in the past, it wasn't God working through that person to hurt you. Therefore, it must have been the devil, someone working through that person. So, that person then needs to be delivered from the devil. God wants that person to be delivered from the devil and, and you know, hurting more people. So what you should do then to get in line with God and God's will is to pray for that person every time you think of them. Instead of getting upset and letting those old hurts and everything you know, just eat you up and like this, pray for God. Say, bless Jack. Bless him. Help him. Help him to have a good day. Help him to, you know, just... Uh, see your presence. Send witnesses to him. You know, give him dreams and visions and, and just help him know your presence in a way that he'll know your love and he'll be delivered from the devil. You know, just pray God's blessings down on whoever that was that hurt you. It may be, you know, ex-husband, ex-wife, or, or, you know, uh, somebody like that, a, a boss or somebody lied to you and got you fired or something like that. Anyway, whoever it is that hurt you, it, see, it wasn't God cause him to do it. It was the devil. 
So get in line with God's will for that person and start praying for them, and I'll guarantee you that it won't be long before you'll truly want to see God bless that person. Because, see, God will help you forgive them in your heart, and you'll be prepared then if they ever did come to you and ask forgiveness. Like you'll be walking down the street and see somebody that looks like that, and all of a sudden you get upset and everything. No, don't get upset. Pray for the person. God may be reminding you of that person because he, he wants you to pray for that person. The devil may be reminding you of that person because he wants you to get upset again. Or it may be just a, well, I don't believe in coincidence, but some people do, but it may be just a coincidence you thought of that person. Well, whatever the reason you think of the person, if it's God wanting you to pray for him, well, then pray for him. If it's the devil wanting you to get upset, don't do it. Say, I'm not going to get upset. You're going to pray for that person. See, pray for that person every time, and you will be set free. But as long as you're holding that hurt and burden in your heart, you're not being today the person that God wants you to be. Because to have that burden in you like that, he wants you set free of it. And the only way to do it is to pray for that person. And you truly will one day think, hey, that's right. I would like to see... Jack, Jim, you know, whoever, Jane or whatever, whoever it is, you know, like it, you'd truly like to see them blessed. I've had people back in my past that, you know, just it used to hurt me so bad and everything like that. I think about them now, and I would just love for them, if they're not Christians, you know, I haven't seen them in years and years and something like that, but I'd love to tell them about the Lord and what he's done in my life and everything since back in those days. You know, it just, it doesn't even matter to me now the things that they said or did. What matters now is that the devil is trying to claim people's lives and send them to eternity. And Jesus said when he was separating the sheep from the goats, he said, Depart from me, ye cursed into the um, everlasting lake of fire created for the devil and his angels. See, the devil is deceiving and lying people. Hell and a lake of fire wasn't created for people. It's created for the devil and his angels. So, you know, get on board and start praying for like that and get yourself set free. Now, along with this, Bible Answer Man was saying that God doesn't forget, doesn't forget our sins and everything. Well, I would like to, you know, uh, share a couple of scriptures with you there. I don't know how you got that idea, but uh, in Isaiah 43, verse 25, God says, I, even I am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember thy sins. Now, I'm sure God probably knows what remember means. So when he says he won't remember our sins, um, the Bible man says he doesn't uh, forget them. But anyway, Jeremiah 31, uh, 34, saith the Lord, I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sins no more. Ezekiel 30, 20. Again, his righteousness which he has done shall not be remembered if he turns to sin. And then Hebrews 8, I mean chapter 8, verse 12, for the New Testament, it says, For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Hebrews 10, 17, And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So it's settled. God doesn't know everything. He forgives and forgets our sins. So you hear people say that God doesn't know everything? Don't believe it. But along those lines, let me just share with you a couple other scriptures. Here, God doesn't re, you know, remember our sins. He forgives and forgets, regardless of what anybody says. But now, I want to read you three verses here that might shock you because, you know, they've been in the Bible all these years, and uh, uh, translators have known it and all these different versions and everything that come out. They all know that these verses are in the Bible. But I guess none of them have the guts to share them with you. So I'll, I'll share them with you since you're listening this morning. And, I want to get something to think about. Jeremiah 7, 3. Now, these three verses, speaking of God forgiving and forgetting our sins, see, he does that because he loves us. He doesn't even care about those sins back here that have been forgiven and everything. But there's something else, too, that God loves us so much, but he wants us to come to him because we love him. So, in his sovereignty, in his will, in setting up the relationship with us, he has chosen to give up his knowledge 
of the choices or the decisions we will make. He tries to get us out of love to choose him and to choose uh, his way, but he won't make us. Now, let me read you this through verse. Jeremiah chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 7, verse 3. Talking about these evil children of Israel of his, God says, And they have built high places of Topet, which is the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. God's saying they were so evil it hadn't even come into his heart. That's Jeremiah 7, 3. Jeremiah 19, 5, again. They have built also high places of Baal. See, before it was high places topet to burn both of them, sons and daughters. Now, they've built high places of Baal to burn their sons with a fire for burnt offerings to Baal, which I commanded not, nor spoke it, neither came it into my mind. See, God said he didn't even think of that evil that they would do and everything. Jeremiah 32, 35. And they built the high places of Baal, which are in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire into Molech, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my mind that they should do this abomination to cause Judah to sin. Now you read those three verses, and it shows that God has given us a free will choice. These people became so evil that he, God hadn't even thought about it. It hadn't come in his heart or something. And the reason is because, listen to what God does think about us. He said, he, you know, it's, a, listen, Jeremiah says that he has those good thoughts about us. He, he thinks about us to prosper and for us to do good. Like, okay, for your grandchildren, your children, what do you think about for them? That they prosper, they get good jobs, they get, you know, good relationships with their family and things like this. You're thinking and praying good for them. And even though something bad happens, you, you never planned that for them or you never you thought of it and imagined that you'd like to see something like that. God doesn't do that for us either. He doesn't think about those things like that, those terrible things. Now, so uh, anyway, uh, look at those three verses. There's so many other verses in the scripture that show that too. But um, also, uh, Let's see, that was a Bible answer, man. Dr. Stanley on Daystar TV says, God never changes his mind. I'm, I, I don't really see how you, In 2 Kings chapter 20, God sent uh, the prophet Isaiah to King Hezekiah and said, Set your house in order, you're going to die. Well, Hezekiah turned in verse 2 and 3, turned and prayed to the Lord, and then God sent Isaiah back to King Hezekiah and said tell him tell you know the captain of my people that I heard his prayers I saw his tears and that I'm going to give him 15 more years and let him live and I'm healing well then um, God changed his mind there look at the story in Jonah the book of Jonah God told Jonah after you know Jonah ran from him and all these stories about the large fish and swallowing him up and all that stuff but anyway when you get to the the uh, story of Jonah, God told Jonah to go tell him, in 40 days, you'll be destroyed. In 40 days, I'm going to destroy you. Now, Jonah went and told him, 40 days, going to destroy them. Then uh, even the evil king, well, here's the message that God gave him. He said, yet 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. Now, but the evil king of Nineveh stated in the, Jonah chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Who can tell if God will turn and repent and turn away from this fierce anger that we perish not? And so he got all of them to, you know, repent, sackcloth and ashes, and pray and turn to the Lord. And it said, and God repented of the evil that he said he would do unto them, and he did it not. See, God spared Nineveh because he loved those people so much. And if you read the whole story, you'll see that Jonah got mad because Jonah didn't like the people. But God says to Jonah then, And should not I spare Nineveh, that great city, wherein are more than six score thousand persons that cannot discern between their right hand and their left? See, just God loved them so much because they repented and turned to him. And they turned honestly to God because, see, God would have known their hearts. So they couldn't have faked him and, you know, faked him out and, you know, act like they was repenting and didn't. But God knew they repented. 
see God changes his mind and not only that if you read in chapter 8 of Hebrews it, it's great that God changed his mind because when he changed his mind he created a new covenant he created a new covenant for us and he said uh, that the old covenant then had faults in it let's see if I can find that real quick here it says but now he's ordained a more excellent ministry by how much more he being Jesus mediator of the better covenant which was established on better promises for if the first covenant had been faultless see they're saying here that God created a faultful covenant in the beginning he said for if the first covenant had been faultless then should no place have been sought for the second you know so uh, to say God doesn't change his mind you know it just it, it's almost like how can a person read the Bible and ever come up with that uh, determination but anyway, God changes his mind. You start praying this morning. If you've got a problem, you start praying and see what will happen. God just may change his mind for you, too, and change the circumstances. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord, right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network. Visit Richard's website at raharden.com. That's the World Wide Web at R-A-H-A-R-D-I-N dot com. At his website, you can see a summary of the six books he has written, where purchases may be made. He also has a link to 18 videos on YouTube and several blogs about Christian beliefs. If you prefer, visit Amazon.com backslash Kindle and type in Richard Harden to see and purchase his books. Each of my programs are being saved so that you can listen to them at any time. There's just four simple steps to find the past programs. Go to www.spreaker.com. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com. Enter my name, Richard Harden, in the search box in the top center of the home page. Click on the brown icon, which has the Bible, two candlesticks, and a cross in the background. A list of my programs will come up. You're listening to God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden. Richard will guide you through the Bible and help you find God's purpose for your life. Now here's teacher and author Richard Harden. Welcome back. Um, I want to continue sharing with you a few different things that uh, I've heard that seem to go against the scriptures. And uh, Well, let's see. Here's another one here. I have these dates and uh, times when these people said it, and um, uh, if anybody's really questioning, you know, I'm just making this up or whatever. But anyway, um, Dr. Stanley again has told, well, not just Dr. Stanley. I've heard so many different ones, but I got this written down that Dr. Stanley um, said that God is in total control. You know, I've heard ministers say, if God wasn't in total control, you know, I wouldn't, uh, you know, I couldn't serve a God that didn't have total control and everything like this. You know, what a world this would be. Well, this is a world that's, uh, that's being without him in control, control because in First uh, John chapter 5, verse uh, 19, says, We are of God, and the whole world lieth in wickedness. And this is in King James. And um, the NIV and several other versions, they say uh, that we know that we are of God and the whole world 
is in control of the evil one, in control of the devil. Now, what is this lying in this control of the devil? How can that be? Because, you know, Jesus said in John um, 28, 18, says, you know, that all power is given unto me, you know, and, and all power given unto Jesus, but we're saying the devil has control. The Bible is saying devil has control. Now, instead of just ignoring that verse, it, it seems like that uh, I know people have seen that verse, and they just read over it and keep going and just ignore it. You say, well, just take it out. No, don't take it out. Try to understand why it's in there. Um, and the reason it's in there is like I've already mentioned one of the verses. The devil gets control any time you and I violate God's word when we're disobedient, violate God's word or whatever. And, and any time uh, anybody violates God's word, they're giving devil control in their life. For an example, in Ephesians, not Ephesians, excuse me, yeah, Ephesians 4, 26, 27, it says, Be angry, sin not, let not the sun go down in your wrath, neither give place to the devil. See, giving place to the devil in your life, giving place or, or giving like control in your life. See, if, like I was sharing a while ago, if, if we will turn when we start, you know, having those hurt feelings about people and everything, if we'll turn to the Lord and ask him to help that person, forgive that person, you know, in, instead of having this anger and hate of wanting to get back and get even with them, we can get that anger and hate out of our heart. But as long as we have that and we hang on to it in our heart without any effort of trying to get it out and, and you know, forgive the person or something, we're giving the devil control in our life. That's why the devil, you know, uh, creates such friction and division in families and things like this. Because he knows if he can divide and get people upset with each other, you know, like that, he will have the advantage in their lives. So if you've got any kind of hate or anger or something back in your in your heart, it's not just a good philosophy or a good theory to forgive the person or to pray for the person, but you're giving the devil control if you don't. If you continue to respond the way the devil wants you to in hating that person or, you know, wanting to get even with that person, you're missing blessings from God. You're missing answers to prayer. Your family's suffering. You're suffering. Everybody you know is suffering because you're not being the person God wants you to be. Or like the scripture I used in Second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 I mentioned earlier, forgive others lest you give Satan the advantage. See, you're giving Satan advantage in your life when you hold unforgiveness. You're giving Satan advantage in your life when you cheat somebody. You're giving Satan advantage in your life when you lie to someone. Because it says in Proverbs that if you lie to someone, you're hating them. It's a form of hate because to tell a lie and represent it as a truth, see, that's what you're doing when you lie to someone. You're representing something to be the truth. You're representing to be honest like this. You're deceiving them. And see, the devil is a deceiver, and he's wanting to help you do that. So when um, you're sharing his hate, his deceit through you to someone else when you lie to them, so it's a form of hate to that person. So uh, you're giving Satan advantage in your life when you do these things that violate God's word. When, you know, like, a, oh, I don't know, when you envy somebody, when you envy somebody for what they have, you're accusing God then of neglecting you. You know, you might like and, you know, enjoy what somebody has. Now, I'm not saying that. But when you envy them and, you know, it's it's like accusing God. Well, God, look how they're being so blessed. They're doing, getting this and everything. And I'm not. I deserve more or something. See? Turn to the Lord and rejoice and count your blessings for what you have. Like it, I think it's Hebrews chapter 13. It says, learn to be content with whatsoever you have because he has promised he will never leave us nor forsake us. So we may boldly say, you know, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man or the devil can do unto me. Now, it says what man can do to me, but uh, the devil too, you know. We don't have to because the Lord is our helper. Learn to be content with whatsoever you have. You know, and when you envy people then, in your heart, people may not know you're envying, but when you envy people, it's like accusing God that he's neglected you. So, uh, uh, 
take that then. Now, in the book of James, uh, well, let's see, where was that here? God being in total control. In our society, uh, most people don't even care about God's word, and they want to push it out. Our society is being controlled by the devil, and, and you know, they don't even realize it. Most of them probably don't even believe there's a devil. But, you know, every one of them has been brought to a knowledge of God because the scripture says in Romans chapter 1 that we're all without excuse. God brings people to a knowledge of him, and then they have to reject him. See, in Titus 2.11, the grace of God that bring us salvation appeared to all men like this. But then in 2 Thessalonians 2, 10, 11, the apostle Paul says that when people perish, it says, because they reject the love of the truth. They reject the love of, of God revealing himself to them, his love for them and everything. They reject that, the love of the truth. Then they go off into all these different wild, crazy beliefs like a, Romans chapter 1 says, you know, they're given up to, you know, reprobate mind. Well, reprobate sounds so terrible, and it is. But all that means is just they don't know right from wrong. <laughs> That's why so many people in our society you don't like that. They don't mind lying and lying and lying, standing in front of the TV and lying again and stuff like this and everything. Because, you know, so many people they say, do what you need to do, say what you need to say. The end justifies however you go about getting to the end, you know, whatever you're going to do. And, and that's why so many people's beliefs are so strong in their areas and everything. They'll lie, cheat, and steal to get their belief accepted or, you know, uh, uh, imposed on others. But God is not in control of this world. Now, he's in control of so many things. But, see, he set it up to where... Uh, he kind of leaves a lot of it up to us, you know. Are we going to serve him or not? And that's what's wrong with our society today. You know, so many people are compromising on God's word, failing to forgive people, you know, lying, cheating, stealing. You can go down to, you know, get your uh, something fixed, or you can call a plumber out, or you can call something like this, you know, like that. It's difficult to get a good, honest person in our country to come out and do some work for you and everything and be able to trust and know that they're going to do a good job and everything and not lie to you and stuff like this. It's just common. See, and that's not okay. That's not just doing business, you know, like that. Oh, I got a good deal on my car last night, you know. I sold my car, my rattle trap, you know, somebody, and now they got it. You know, that that's not being honest. Now, so that's what's wrong with our society. The standards of God are being neglected people are giving Satan advantage in their life. Now, when he comes in, uh, he's going to bring curses. You look at Deuteronomy 28. He's going to bring sicknesses and everything. we got Christians all across our country in hospitals today that wouldn't be there if they hadn't held that, you know, anger in their heart, or if they hadn't, you know, uh, violated God's laws of cheating and things like this, you know. And the devil comes in then, when they do that, bringing curses with him. Now, if we want to get ourselves straightened out and everything in this country, we got to turn to God's pure word. Proverbs 30, 5 and 6 says, Every word of God is pure. A shield them put their trust in him. A shield, a shield for those that put their trust in him. See, but it's got to be his pure word we're trusting in. You can't claim your healing by faith if you're lying and cheating and stealing and things like this. You know, and it just... Every word of God is pure. A shield and put their trust in him. Add thou not to his word, lest he reprove thee, and thou be found a liar. And so many Christians today are being found liars because of, you know, of just these simple things that people take as like good principles to live by. You listen to most of the uh, religious or Christian uh, TV programs and everything, and they're teaching principles. And that's just another way of saying the law. You know, wife acts this way, you're supposed to say this. You do this, and there she's supposed to say this. You know, principles between husband and wife, principles between parents and children. We're supposed to be living by God's love in our heart and obeying his word. Okay? Now, Dr. Stanley also says we can't understand God's purposes. Isaiah 55, 8. I can't read all that to you, but in Isaiah 55, uh, the first few verses of that, if you read it, the children of Israel were going through their sacrifices, going through their um, 
feast. They were going through their prayers. They were going through all these things, just like our country. We have churches everywhere in some areas of the country, um, you know, like here in the Bible Belt and everything like that. Some churches on every corner, and people are you know going in and out of them and everything like this. But but look at our country then. What's happening? Um, we've been pushed out, pushed out of society and everything. And the people there in Isaiah 55, they were doing all these great things for God, and then in about verse four and five they said. But God, where are you? How come you aren't answering our prayers? How come you aren't listening to us? And he said, because my thoughts aren't your thoughts. You aren't really going through those feasts and things like this with a right heart. He said, you're just going through the motions. And then God tells them like that. And then in the very first two verses of the next, you know, what is it, Isaiah 59, he says, your sins and iniquities have separated between you and your God. See, they were going through the motion, but they had so many of these uh, things in their lives, like I was talking about a while ago, lying, cheating, stealing, holding unforgiveness and hate and everything like that. Um, you know, you, you get to church and there'll be animosity towards, you know, the song director because he lets one person sing too many specials and people get this bit about, you know, I want to sing more. You know, she sings all the time or he sings all the time. And, and it just, you get in a board of deacons meeting, elders meeting and fuss and argue. And it says, you know, where there's envying, strife, there's confusion and ever evil work, you might say then, of the devil. So we've got all this going on. Expecting God to bless us and everything. No. It's supposed to be done in prayer and everything. And uh, and we can't understand God's thoughts. James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, and that giveth to all men liberally, and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. See, seek. First John five nineteen says that the devil's in control of this world, but he doesn't have to be in control of your life, my life, if we start seeking and, and serving God and obeying his pure word. Second Peter, what is it? Chapter one, verse two and four, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. You know, get out to seeking God's pure word and everything and uh, stick with it. And a while ago I was looking for a scripture when I was talking about what God thinks for us. He doesn't think all this evil and everything uh, about it. And it's Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. See, he's not thinking evil of us and everything when those three scriptures I read a while ago about how evil his children became. He said, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end, prosperous, you know, to serve him and like that. Well, there are so many things like this that are being just taught by mainline leaders in our society, you know, that just really, well, I don't know, it's just causing confusion. It causing people, you know, to turn away from Christianity. Here's one belief that I want to bring out to you that um, the uh, maybe Assembly God, Pentecostal, Charismatics, but I know the people of the Word of Faith movement believe that in John chapter 20 is when the the devils, excuse me, John chapter 20 <laughs> is, is when the disciples, I mispronounced that word terrible, when the disciples got saved. And kind of the reason they do this is John chapter 20, I'll read you what it says here in King James. When he said, this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So uh, there's a teaching that, uh, the, and this was now after Jesus was crucified and he was resurrected, and it was during the time that he had, you know, he came back four or five times to visit people between then and the day of Pentecost. Well, this is one of those times, and he was talking to the disciples, and he said, He breathed on them and said unto them, Receive you the Holy Ghost. And they take this in as a breath of life, like it says in Genesis, God breathed the life into Adam and like this and so often. Uh, but now if you read the Greek on this, if you read the Greek, it says, And this saying he, 
breathed in and says to them, Receive you the Holy Spirit holy. See, it doesn't say he breathed on them. In the Greek, it says he breathed in. You know, like before you say something like that, you'd kind of often, it's just kind of automatic sometimes, you know, breathe in, they'll get you on, know, just relax. And then he says to them, Receive you Spirit holy. But the other translations, besides King James, most of them say this that he you know breathed in and spoke to them like that but in taking this uh, type of scripture the way the King James says it he breathed on them they say well the, the disciples got saved here and see that goes along within the two-step process of they get saved here receive the Spirit and then on the day of Pentecost they got Baptize the Holy Spirit and spake in tongues. You see, that goes along with a two-step uh, process. But if you look in the Scripture a little further, like the Apostle Paul even says, you know, in the, what is it? First um, Corinthians twelve thirteen says uh, that all of us are baptized into the body of Christ. And what's baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ? But if uh, you care, compare a story to this one, if look in uh, Acts chapter 10 about Cornelius. Cornelius was a very good man. In fact, it said a certain man, Cornelius, centurion, devout man, one feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people, prayed to God always. Now, I can remember during the 20-something years I was in church without being a Christian, I, I knew God. I was close to him a lot of times. And I know he was trying to get me to surrender my heart and life to him, but I thought I was already a Christian. And like this. Now, God sent a vision, um, to gave him a vision and an angel and said, Go call Simon, you know, uh, to come and tell you what you need to do. See, he still needed to do something here. He was so good and everything. Well, God gave Peter three visions and sent Peter then, which was called Simon, you know, sent Peter to tell him. And if you look in the story, Peter says that the, the Holy Spirit told him to go tell them what he needs to do to be saved. Who shall tell thee? This is in the, uh, Acts chapter 11 then. Uh, go call for surname Peter. Who shall tell thee words whereby thou and all thy house shall be saved? Well, after Peter went back and the other disciples kind of jumped on him, why are you going to that Gentile? Peter says, because the Holy Spirit told me to go tell them what they needed to do to be saved. See, so uh, in Acts, Peter's saying that he needed to go tell, you know, Cornelius to be saved. Well, as Peter's telling the story, if you read the the message that Peter uh gave Cornelius at, right before he got through with the message and everything it it said uh, that they all began you know, worshiping and praising the Lord and you know speaking in tongues and everything and, and, and wanting to be baptized and all this but he had never mentioned one time about you know being like baptized in the spirit or anything like this Peter just told him about Jesus told him about Jesus, and before he'd even finished telling them about Jesus, uh, they just started shouting and screaming, and, you know, the anointing came on them and everything like this. But the whole point of it is, when Peter went back and disciples started kind of questioning, why did you go talk to this, you know, Gentile and everything like this? Peter told them the same thing happened to them that happened to us on the day of Pentecost. See? So, he's saying, Peter's saying right here, that if the same thing happened to Cornelius and them, happened to them on the day of Pentecost, that's when Peter's saying that they received the Spirit of Christ in their heart too, just like Cornelius did here. So, he says it's the uh, exact same thing. And so, uh, 
the disciples didn't receive the Spirit before the day of Pentecost. They received the Spirit of Christ in their heart, like Paul said there, by one Spirit are we baptized into the body and being the body of Christ. And that's what the baptism of the Spirit is. Now, to try to get this to look like a two-step thing and then later you're going to speak in tongues and you'll receive the Spirit. No, you receive the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Christ. The, Christ is the Holy Spirit. Christ, the living Word of God to us, is the Holy Spirit. Then, uh, then later some other thing happens, you know, a two-step type process. But but that's not true. Uh, even David Emai says that uh, disciples saved Acts John chapter 20 verse 22 and they received the baptism of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost. No. They were baptized into Christ on the day of Pentecost and they spoke in tongues. They were filled with the Spirit. Every bit of it right there. Just like Peter says, the same thing happened to Cornelius that happened to them. Now, and Peter ought to know. He was at both places, you know. He was, he was an operator in both of these circumstances. So, uh, and then Peter also says in, let's see, First Peter 1, well, I'm not sure exactly where it is right now, First Peter, uh, where he says that uh, baptism does now save us. Let's see, if I can find that real quick, I think it's First Peter 3. Yes, First Peter 3.21, Peter says, And like figure where even baptism does also now save us. See, and he's talking about that baptism of the Spirit into the heart. You know, baptizing us into the body of Christ. He says, not to putting away the filth of the flesh, but, you know, the water baptism, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, that's a baptism that saves us, a baptism of the Spirit into the body of Christ. And now, I challenge any of you people out there listening, any of you, Pentecostal, Assembly God, or whoever, you can't show one time in the Bible where it says somebody was baptized in the Spirit and spake in tongues. It always says they were filled with the Spirit and spake in tongues, preached the word boldly, they did great miracles and everything, but it always says they were filled. You're baptized into the body of Christ, we become a child of God. Then when it says and they prayed and were filled with the Spirit and spoke, and they filled with the Spirit and spoke. It's just like we should be walking full of the Spirit. It's only our sins and things like that, that or acts of sin, you know, like that. And um, those things I was talking about a while ago, little things in our life, stuff like this, that, that keep us from being full of the Spirit. But it says when the disciples prayed and they were filled with the Spirit, they spoke in tongues, preached God's Word boldly, and did all kind of miracles. But never once did it say baptized in the Spirit and spoke in tongues. Anyway. Looks like we're just about out of time today, and I still didn't get all of these different messages. But think about it. Read, read what happened on the day of Pentecost, and read what happened in Acts chapter 10 and 11, and then take uh, Peter's word for it, since he was at both places, that the exact same thing happened to Cornelius and them that happened to them on the day of Pentecost. Because see, Cornelius was waiting for Peter to come tell him what to do, because God had told him in that vision through the angel to go send for Simon. See, so Cornelius was waiting in faith. When you hear God's word, like God spoke to Cornelius, he accepted God's word, he obeyed, and he sent after Peter. So he was waiting in faith for Peter to come tell him what to do. The disciples, Jesus told them to wait and tarry until, you know, the Pentecost there. So they were all waiting together in faith because Jesus had told them to wait. They were waiting in faith. They were expecting, and, you know, what's he going to do, you know, or, or, you know, how are we going to receive this power? And when Jesus says, wait till you receive power, look up the word power that he said. Then go over to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, verse 24, where it says, Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God. Look up the word power there. And it's the exact same word that Jesus told them to wait for the power. Wait for the power. Christ is the power. He was telling them to wait for Christ. Wait till they receive Christ in their heart, just like happened to Cornelius and them. Look up those two stories and read and study about them. And there's not a two-step process. You know, we can um, baptize into the body of Christ, like Paul says. 
but then we can be filled with the Spirit and filled with the Spirit over and over. Hopefully we can stay filled with the Spirit more than we're not filled with the Spirit. That's what we're supposed to be seeking to do, growing the grace by receiving more of God's living Word into our heart. We were hear God's word like Cornelius did there where God spoke to him and said, go send after uh, Simon. If he had rejected God's word, I'm not going to send after a Jew to come tell me what to do. See, he could have rebelled there, but he wasn't that kind of guy. He wanted everything God had for him regardless of who was going to bring it. And so he accepted God's word from the angel there into his heart to go send after you know Simon. And that's accepting God's word to faith. He, he was working on faith there. And see, for by grace are you saved through faith. He received the grace in when Peter came and told him about Jesus. And, he, and through his faith in calling Simon and him come telling him about Jesus, then he received Christ in Jesus into his heart. And today, if you'd like to receive Christ Jesus in your heart, just right now, just say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me my sins. Come into my heart. It's got to be an honest prayer. But turn to him right now with all your heart. and Keep praying and seeking until you know for sure that he has come into your heart. That's the greatest thing you can do today. John three sixteen seventeen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, my revision is this for John 3.16 For God so loved the people of the world that he gave his only begotten son Jesus that Jesus should endure the loneliness the suffering of the perfect walk of faith and the painful sufferings of his seven sprinklings of his blood on the cross by the crown of thorns the plucking of his beard the nails in his two feet the nails in his two hands and the terrible stripes on his back that Jesus would go through all this suffering. God allowed these sufferings in his mercy so that all of God's already pre-elected and predestined people prior to birth to die and go to heaven, that they would actually die and go to heaven. That sounds so ridiculous. If only predestined or elected people prior to their birth go to heaven, then there would have been no need for the work and suffering of Jesus. No one's destiny would or will ever be changed by Jesus' suffering and death on the cross for our sins and salvation because everything required for our salvation would have already been done prior to our birth by God's act of electing and predestining us to heaven or hell before birth. After God has predestined us to heaven or hell, there would be no need or no more to be done in heaven and earth. It would already be finished before our birth. So what's happening here is the devil hates Jesus so much that he's come up with this Calvinist, devilish, deceived theology that would have us think that we're predestined or elected prior to birth to go to heaven or hell and that would make all the suffering and work of Jesus as our Savior totally unnecessary, totally worthless, and Jesus totally useless. For his life and death on the cross would not change anything prior to, you know, people dying and going to heaven or hell. Because it's already been done by God predestining and electing them to heaven or hell before we were born. See how ridiculous that is. Good day. God bless you. You are listening to KLRN Radio, where liberty and reason still reign. KLRN Radio has advertising rates available. We have rates to fit almost any budget. Contact us at advertising at klrnradio.com. God's Pure Word of Faith with Richard Harden can now be heard Monday through Friday mornings at 7 a.m. Central, 8 Eastern, and on Saturday and Sunday mornings at 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern. Join him and let's turn our country back to God. 
It only takes a spark to start a forest fire. Let's get on fire for the Lord. Right here on KLRN Radio and the Spark Radio Network.